Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Folks, we have the best guest on today's show today. Amanda Jane Cooper is an actor and singer most known for serving as the 15th anniversary Glinda on Wicked on Broadway and as one of the show's longest running actors to ever play the role. Amanda has floated by bubble as Glinda across the states in both the first and second national tours and is now the face of the role on national commercials and billboards in Times Square. Growing up in Valley Forge, PA, she graduated from Carnegie Mellon University with a BFA in musical theater and acting. You've also seen Amanda on screen on shows like Glee, Law and Order, SUV, or SVU. I do that every time. Jesse on <laughs> Disney, Selfie on ABC, Bones, CSI, The Hallmark Channel, Lifetime, and so many more, as well as several feature films. Amanda has a passion for seeing people set free, especially from sex trafficking. She supports a nonprofit called Qualified, as do we, that empowers survivors to thrive and live into their God-given dreams. When Amanda isn't traveling nationally or internationally to speak, teach, and sing, she also coaches students in her private online studio. She now resides in New York with her beloved husband, Andrew. Ladies and gentlemen, my dear friend, Amanda Jane Cooper. Yay, golf clap. Oh my gosh, and all the golf claps. And do you notice that I am that I am sporting dripping. all of your jewels? I am dripping in the MC drip, okay? Just get all this. Up. Oh no, <laughs> Amanda is like probably one of the best walking billboards. She's literally on billboards and she's also the shot Marin Costello walking billboard for the brand. Marin, I, before this interview, I was thinking back to all of the things you have outfitted me for from my first red carpet to another short film like premiere out in LA, just like so many different events. And then also my big wedding weekend. I'm just hashtag blessed and if you look through all of my jewelry uh sort of stock it's 70 percent Marin Costello (laughs) you're like and and your wedding ring (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my gosh well you look fabulous in the line thank you so much and congratulations to you on this beautiful um business that you've built and the ways that you just make people feel beautiful and you know you bring your talent to uh so many special moments of people's lives so I so, so much, so much respect for you. Yeah. Likewise. How are you today? You know, I'm good. It's a, it's sort of a cloudy day here in New York city. Um, feeling good, excited to be here. Um, we just had our in-person wedding two weeks ago, which was a whole story. Uh, we were, my husband and I were married on zoom at the beginning of the pandemic in April, 2020. And just two weeks ago, we got to celebrate in person with our guests who, we're on Zoom, but then then we got to celebrate together. So just kind of like basking in the glow of that. And um, as this final quarter of the year approaches, just dreaming and getting ready for some concerts uh, in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, just incredibly grateful to be healthy and here. Amen, sister. You inadvertently were like a pioneer of Zoom weddings, Right. Like, <laughs> did you know what you were doing when you were doing it? Like walk, walk us through the process of creating <sighs> this environment around a zoom wedding during the pandemic. I mean, her wedding went viral, you guys, because Amanda was literally one of the first people 
to do a Zoom wedding. And obviously Amanda has so much notoriety to your, to her name, but you still were the pioneer. Like walk us through the process. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to shout out like all the people who made it happen. So Alice Isaac, who we both know and love, who planned the in-person wedding, uh, also made this Zoom situation happen. And um, fortunately we weren't alone in it, even though everybody was locked down and very isolated. We did have so many people just like praying for us and on our side and like helping us get cross this like finish line. So basically um, I was doing some concerts in Israel um, around the time of the pandemic. And I was actually slated to fly back on March 15th, which as we know, was like a very pivotal day with the pandemic. So many cities were shutting down so many. Um, yeah, just the news was coming in about how serious the disease was. And so literally landed on March 15th, but I was on the plane and I just had this sense Marin in my gut of like, I don't think we're going to be able to do this wedding. And it was supposed to be uh, April 25th. So there was still whatever, five, six weeks until the slated wedding. But I knew in my pit of my core, I was like, God, I don't think we're going to be able to do this in person, are we? And I just had this silent tear dripping down my cheek, wearing a mask. Some people wearing masks, some people weren't. I was like, is there a pandemic? What's happening? It was just so crazy. But um, I had this like silent tear and I was like, you know what? God, I just pray that you would use this and your will would be done through it even though I'm really sad because I think it's probably not going to happen like with our people and all that stuff. So we get back to the city and three days later, we read this article about courts closing down and we're like, should we like go to the courthouse just to get a license, just in case we can't escape New York to go to Pennsylvania where the wedding is supposed to be. We hopped on city bikes, rode six miles down the <laughs> coast of Manhattan, got to this courthouse. And they basically were like, Hey, listen, you can get a license, but more than anything, we actually encourage you to get married today because we might close our doors. So petition the judge, get the 24 hour waiting period waived. We did. We called our parents. We're like, what do we do? They're like, get married. We're like, let's go. So we got married in like 57 seconds in a ceremony that was very short. <laughs> um, and, but we were like, I was in jeans and a sweater. We completely weren't planning on getting married that day. And part of our story and uh, was that we were waiting to move in together and um, and be together uh, till we were married. And we were like, wait a second, like we didn't think this was gonna be today. <laughs> and so we're like, let's not call each other man and wife yet. Let's not do the rings. Like, let's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. So we decided, you know what? Let's have all our community together on Zoom. We did it on April 4th, 2020. Praise the Lord, this like new apartment that we had together has a has a rooftop. And we're like, uh, I guess we'll use our cell phone hotspots and just like go up there and like make a ceremony happen. So we had a step ladder where we've got our pastor on one device, we've got our guests on the other. My dad was on FaceTime walking me down the aisle, and we really didn't know what we were doing. We're kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but our photographer, Ali Northern with ALN Images, got together with Alice Isaac from Alice Isaac Productions and they coordinated like a photo plan where Ali took photos through the Zoom screen and um, they did like all this choreography and just got ready for this this really like memorable moment. So um, we had bridesmaids and groomsmen send in toasts to us the night before as if we were actually having a rehearsal dinner. Um, my sister sent me a bouquet. She lived in Brooklyn and, you know, couldn't come over for the wedding and, but sent me this beautiful bouquet, um, and, and boutonniere, you know, for, for Andrew and I, and, and that was really special. And, um, 
So by the grace of Jesus and our cell phone hotspots and this glorious sky backdrop, we got to be married. And even though our family and friends weren't there, which was very sad, it was still um, an overwhelming day just of like, wow, God is here and he's making a way. And um, we feel so celebrated by people, even from afar. So, um, so that's, that's the story. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I mean, but you also got to get married thrice. So exactly. that's exciting. Oh, I got to get married thrice, but also I forgot to tell you. So, you know, that prayer that I prayed on the plane, I was that silent tear. Um, basically it was just a beautiful thing. We, we had no idea that we would get the press coverage that we did. Like the New York times covered our story and we just got to talk about, you know, our, our story and how we met and where we met at church and like just our, uh, just kind of give, uh, give the glory upwards. And, you know, we were in Vogue and we got to like talk to page six and the daily mail and like all these little broadway.com. And it was just so fun. And, um, beautiful to see that like prayer answered in a really big yes. Um, and then also the prayer of like getting to be all together, uh, <laughs> thrice, as you say, I yes. kind of had like three weddings. Um, yeah, that was just amazing. Um, and, uh, a really cool capstone, I guess, to the journey. I love that you were still able to do the in-person wedding. I really just feel like, you know, the moment with you guys on your rooftop was so intimate and really about the two of you. Oftentimes weddings become about everybody else and you guys were able to have that moment of just it being about you and have that carry through for what, about mm -hmm. a year, over a year? year and a half yeah. year and a half so you guys yeah. were able to like be man and wife for a year and a half just on your own let it sink in not kind of come down from the high of the wedding planning and all of that mm. and able to settle into that so it, it truly was such a blessing for you it, absolutely and there are things that I've learned that we can't see in the moment that we only see later there's a verse that says God will purpose all things for good for those who love him and it's like okay in the moment I'm like really trying to believe that like I'm really trying to believe like this is going to be purposed for good even though it's like very sad and I miss my family but I've totally seen emotionally and like just as we've grown as a couple and like our maturity and like shedding old patterns and stuff that the artful kind of journey that's that we've gotten to go on of like, it's not been the typical one, but we've learned so much through it. Um, and yeah, like you were saying just about the two of us, it's like a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And, uh, I just felt like on that rooftop, it was like me, Andrew and the Lord, <laughs> but also oh, shout out to our besties who live in the building, who were also there with us, the Chen's and their two kiddos. We love them so much. And they were physically in person with us as well. So I love that. all the hearts. I love that. So that was recent Amanda for all intents and purposes, but I would like to go back to little Amanda. One of the questions that we love to ask on the show to kind of see what the journey has kind of looked like for you is what was little Amanda like? Oh my gosh, Marin. Oh, I think we would have been friends as kids. I think we would have been. Absolutely. I, I needed some friends. Let me tell you this. I was very shy, uh, super shy. I was, I am the oldest of three and I, I don't know. I just was an incredibly timid child, like hiding behind my mom's leg at the grocery store, like not outgoing and, you know, like literally would stare at the concrete during recess, just like hoping for 
recess to be over. And like, I'd, I'm was the kind of kid who'd like rather hang out with the teachers during recess than like be a crazy kid, like climbing on the monkey bars. I was just so kind of, yeah, that was like kind of how I was. Um, and in fifth grade, we all had to audition for the fifth grade musical. We had no choice, like you had to. And um, I remember my mom and dad had kind of like picked up on this little gift I had of singing. Uh, they would listen to me kind of sing in the back seat of the car um, growing up. And they're like, oh, I think she has a little, like kind of a good little voice. And then in fifth grade, I remember getting ready for this audition and my mom sitting across the dining room table for me and being like, okay, Amanda, you got this, sing out, sing out. And I chose to do this little jazzy riff in my audition. And I remember the music teacher who is still one of my, 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 dear friends today, Susan Messner, this woman from Jersey, she pulls her glasses down and she's like, she's like, Amanda, who taught you how to do that? And I was like, I don't know, my mom. Like, (laughs) and um, I think she picked up on something in that audition room. And she was like, I think this child has like a little gift. And so she gave me a role and kind of, it's oversimplified, but kind of the rest is history. Like that just opened up my personality. I finally had friends. Um, I was enjoying doing something that I was like gifted in and like discovering that. So theater really opened my world, opened my life. And then um, did the musicals, did the plays all throughout high school, all throughout middle school. And um, was also very, I feel like, were you ever in student council, Marion? Always. Always, I always, knew it. yeah. <laughs> so I also was too from eighth grade to senior year. I was on student council, and that was like also a big passion. So when I finally got to decide, like, what do I want to do with my life? Do I want to go to college for like broadcast journalism and like communications and do some kind of I don't know some kind of public facing job with policy or something, or be an actor? Um, I was kind of like, ah, oh, what do I do? So, um, so I was a little bit of a pragmatic kid. I was like, oh, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, like I, I want to be, be able to do it. So I, I did a six week program at Carnegie Mellon university called pre-college where, um, it was a conservatory style program for six weeks. And I was like, oh, I really like this. And I think I could do this for four years. Like if I could get in here, that would be a dream. I could get training. I could get good. I could, they could show me how to like be an actor. And by the grace of God, it was in my plan that I got into Carnegie and, um, and, um, yeah, just so grateful for each, each, uh, step along the way. I love that. So did you have a plan B or was it like all eggs in the Carnegie Mellon basket? (laughs) I did audition to many other schools. Um, Carnegie was definitely my dream school and the one that I like really, really wanted to go to. Um, and there are certainly some schools that I said, no, but they said, thanks, but no, thanks. But I was like, you know what? That's all right. You only need one. I got into, I got into a couple of schools, but, um, but Carnegie was really the, the pinnacle of what I wanted. I also got into UVA, uh, as a, a liberal arts, like theater major with also whatever else I wanted to choose. And so the plan B, I guess was okay. Well, the fork in the road was like, okay, now this is real. Do I go? over here and try to like be the next Katie Couric or do I go over here and like chase my dreams of being an actor and like um see what happens and I think ultimately I had this small voice that was like I don't want to be 
I don't want to turn 40 and regret not trying. Um, as we, as everybody probably knows, the entertainment industry, the arts are just so subjective and so nonlinear that it is a risk to go into. And, but I just had this voice. It was like, you know what? I don't want to regret not trying and like giving it my all. So um, yeah, that's the thing that ultimately led me to choose choose to go to Carnegie. So you studied at Carnegie Mellon and then after you graduated, what was the next step into auditioning um, and getting into the actual industry? Yeah. So super grateful that um, the folks at Carnegie are just so amazing at teaching you about the business of the business. So I felt really equipped as equipped as you could be, you know, right. Going into this new world. And um, we had something called showcase where we would go in senior year, go to New York and Los Angeles to basically show our stuff, show our talent to casting agents, managers, um, agents, and the like, just people who would, we would invite and they would come. And um, actually, oddly enough, prior to that, when I was a junior, I got cast as Little Red Riding Hood in Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. Um, Kent Gash, who was a brilliant director, chose me to play Little Red. And I really think he helped change the course of my life because it was in that show that I discovered what comedy was and that I could actually do it and like make people laugh. And, you know, I started learning the mechanisms of comedy and started falling in love with it. So, and as Providence would have it, this agent, Mark Ridanti, BRS Gage, came to see, came to Pittsburgh, to Carnegie Mellon to watch our show. And he met me after and he said, you know, I really want to work with you one day. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? And the agent is already chatting with me. Okay, that's so nice. Um, and, you know, I continued on into my senior year and like took meetings with other agents as well after showcase, but was really moved by his passion for for me and my future career and, um, had some other friends who had signed with them. So yeah, pretty quickly after, um, showcase, I signed with BRS gauge here in New York city. Um, and yeah, just started going out on auditions and one of which was for the show wicked. Um, my first audition for wicked was April before the end of my senior year. I didn't get the role that time around, but I did get to go back six months later in like October to, uh, to go in and then got called back and basically went in about four or five times each time with an increasing number of creatives and producers and the team behind the table, um, which was increasingly nerve wracking. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, one of those people was Stephen Schwartz, who cut back to Carnegie Mellon. He's an he's also an alum of that school, and I actually met him when I was 19 years old. Got to sing popular for him at Carnegie, and he said, "You know, I think you might play Glenda one day." So here I am, basically passed out when he said that. But cut to three years, two three years later, uh, I was you know like full on auditioning for it, and was just really blessed to land. Glinda in the first national tour, um, 10 months after, uh, I graduated. So that was sort of, um, uh, probably the biggest like launching sort of thing, like right after, uh, graduation. That's amazing. So how long did you play Glinda in total? So in total. Okay. So this story spans many years. Um, and, uh, but my first round with her was eight months and I actually got to perform for first lady, Michelle Obama at the Kennedy center, which was wild. We, I remember there were, um, 
dog bomb sniffing dogs like in our dressing rooms and all throughout like you there there was just like you knew somebody important was in the building but they didn't tell us who until the next day we saw it in the newspaper like Michelle brings her kids to the her daughters to see and dogs (laughs) and dogs yeah Um, but you better believe I just gave, I just like channeled the whole show to the presidential box. that's like right there on the balcony in front of you. So, um, we had some fun times, but yeah, the first round was, um, eight months. And then I moved to Los Angeles where I met you. Yes. So when, where were you in those eight months? Was it a touring show? Yes. Oh yes. So Glenda on the first national tour. So we went from everywhere to like from, you know, the Kennedy Center in DC to Fort Lauderdale, Florida to Peoria, Illinois to Omaha, Nebraska. And our sit downs were usually four weeks, three weeks. Uh, Kennedy Center was like really long because we were there for basically the whole summer. But, um, but yeah, I toured, I'd never toured before. That was crazy and, and wonderful. And just, you know, it was a big responsibility to be entrusted with at 22. And, I just really, you know, was honored by that and wanted to give my best. And, um, but yeah, it's interesting because I played the role when I was 22 and then, um, and then I'll tell the full story, but basically got to come back and play her on the second national tour for 16 months and then got invited to make my Broadway debut where I played her here at the Gershwin on Broadway for 17 months and got to be the 15th anniversary Glinda and film the new commercial and everything like that. So in total, I've played her for about four years of my life to answer your question. (laughs) Wow. That's a lot of years. Are you, um, well, I have so many other questions, but what is your relationship with Glenda? That's a really good one, Marion. I was thinking about this the other day where I was like, I have so much love for her because first of all, she's just written so brilliantly and there's so much to dig into in her story of redemption and coming to a place of other mindedness. If you don't know Wicked, for those of you who are listening, you know, we, when we meet Glinda, so the story is about Glinda and Elphaba. Elphaba is known as the, as we know her from the Wizard of Oz as the Wicked Witch of the West and Glinda is the Good Witch of the North. But it's the backstory of what happens in Oz before Dorothy drops in. And I love the transformational journey that Glinda goes on. We meet her and she's very, um, you know, she's very, she's gotten everything she's ever wanted in life. She's very well. She's sure of herself. Yes. She's glittery. She's Mm -hmm. popular. She's, she's really never heard the word. No. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, she becomes roommates with Elphaba and, um, the story ensues, but she ends up transforming from the inside out through her relationship with Elphaba. She becomes other-minded. She becomes braver. She becomes a woman of convictions rather than a woman of basically convenience and kind of like surface. So I love that. And as a 22 year old, you know, I didn't understand that journey as much as I did when I was older and got to play her till I was like 30, you know? Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I would love to like, maybe go into the, the journey of what kind of transpired between my first run and my second run, but basically, yeah, you and I, Marin, we knew each other in LA and, um, I have shared this kind of testimony on um, a platform called I am second, but I love sharing it because I, I just can't talk about my journey without kind of, kind of, um, 
tying, uh, connecting these dots. So when I was in college, I actually started struggling with an eating disorder um, pretty early on in college that really, really plagued me and affected so many areas of my life, my confidence, my self-image, my social life, like how I viewed what made me matter, um, where I was getting my validation from, which also led into kind of a seeking my okayness or my value from just all these external things, whether it was like the shape of my body, the size of my body, who wanted that body, the relationships that I was in, the substances I would do, how much should I drink? What I'll just take this thing. Like it, it became a life that was pretty chaotic. Um, but like on the surface was like fine, but like underneath, I knew I had some kind of serious stuff going on. And I also thought, you know what, if I can be successful, I will matter. I, that is the pinnacle success is it. And that is what I am going to strive towards. I will stop at nothing. I got to get there. And of course my dream, one of my dreams was to play Glinda. And so I was like, I got it. I got my dream at 22 thinking, okay, well, this is the thing that really makes me matter. And like, you know what, all that other stuff will just be solved because like, now I have this title. Now I have, um, some assurance of like, you know, I'm like making some money and I, you know, I'm an adult now, like it'll be, everything's going to fix itself. But I quickly discovered that that's, that wasn't the case. And, um, that wasn't a guarantee that came from this quote unquote God that I was serving of success. And I mean, I was into shoplifting. I share this on my, I am second. I was just, you know, promiscuity and, struggling with like lust and even pornography. And, you know, it was just a life that I slipped into. Like I never thought it would be my life, but here I was, I was like, oh, this is my life. So basically after that eight month period of of playing Glinda and having a great time doing it and learning so much and like really growing, I decided to move to Los Angeles. Um, because I'd always wanted to do TV and film. And I also felt like, you know what? I just need to run away. I just need to run away to the, to the West coast where I've never been and try something new. Now in college, my first professional gig was actually a movie called smart people with Thomas Hayden church, Sarah Jessica Parker, Dennis Quaid. I had a little role. And then the next year I had a role with Misha Barton in a homecoming in a lifetime movie. So I already had some, some TV credits. I was like, you know what? I'm just I'm done with musicals. I'm going to (laughs) go do TV and film. Not, you know, not wholly always always love me some musicals, but I was like, you know what? I need a break. I'm just going to go do this thing. And um, I lived pretty wildly for about four months when I got there. And, you know, LA really is a place where like, if you want to get into some trouble, you really can. Um, And one thing I've learned is like, as humans, we don't like default to health. Like, if we're not intentional about moving towards health, we will drift towards funk. Like that is just how we are. And that's destruction, any, any sort of antithesis of health. Absolutely. And that's what I did. I was just like, no rudder, no direction. It was just like, how can I keep filling this void? And I got myself into some very dangerous situations. And by the grace of God, I'm still alive today by the grace of God, really atrocious things didn't happen that absolutely could have. Um, and I was, yeah, I was at a, a Hollywood party one night and 
tired, just tired. And I, I knew this life that I was living was just exhausting and like that I was, I wanted something else. I wanted to change. And I met this woman named Alice Isaac, who you remember from the beginning of our conversation and something about her was so safe. I just literally spilled my guts for like 45 minutes. I was like, oh, and then this is going on in my life and this and this and this. And she, she heard the voice of the Lord say, don't lose track of this one. And she didn't. She loved me back to life, as I like to say, where she was so there for me as a mentor and as like a big sister that I never had. And she possessed a peace and a joy and like a steadiness in her life and like a self knowing in her life where she wasn't like, let me just grab from all these different resources to, to tell me who I am, but that it really came from Jesus in her. And so I was, I knew that that's what my soul needed. And I was baptized in July of 2013 and, um, God healed me of so much, Marin. I mean, it was kind of miraculous and I still have to pinch myself today because sometimes I just stop and think like the life that I would have had, had that turn not been taken, um, would be so different today than it is. So yeah, just healed from so much of that, um, funk and was so grateful to like move into a relationship where I was like, okay, God, you can have my life. You know, everything about me and you, you love me. You love me as I am, but you also love me too much to like, keep me in this place. Um, yeah. So I was in Los Angeles for four years and got to do TV and film, but also like just be Amanda and like learn who Amanda was through God's eyes rather than like the Amanda that I had constructed that was like successful and cute and pleasing and all of that, you know, it's like, who is, who am I called to be really? And, um, yeah, I just made incredible girlfriends. Um, one of them was you. I was going to say you and I met after that, that encounter with God, mm -hmm. you and I met afterwards. That's right. That's right. And yeah, I was like in my, you know, cocooning, uh, whatever you call it. Like, uh, yeah, just my, the beginnings of my, of my journey of like this new life, which is around the time that we met and through Alice too, which is so cool. Um, and just, I became friends with incredible women who had vision and convictions, um, who really helped me to become you know, live into the story that God really wanted to write with my life. And, um, four years after I moved to LA, I got a call from my agent saying, Hey, <clears throat> wicked wants you to come play Glinda again on the second national tour, which was so, <sighs> I just, um, was so humbled by that to get to go back as like a new person and have new eyes and not be like, Oh, this is the thing that makes me matter, but be like, Oh, this is a job that I'm doing. I get to steward this. And I get to just like, my role here is really like to love people. It's not to like be the star. Like it is to, it is to see people. It is to minister to people, which means bringing comfort, bringing healing, bringing light. That's it. Whether it's my cast or people that I meet, I have so many stories of this adventure of tour. Where I would like meet these random, but they weren't random people in like a store. And I'd have this incredible conversation and, you know, just this, just a missional time. 
and um and that was really beautiful got to go back to the kennedy center same dressing room like what like just this completely redeemed experience where I was wearing the same costume and I was playing the same role, but like everything from the inside out was changed and I had so much more fun and so much more freedom. Um, yeah. And then that led to my Broadway debut, which was a completely wild dream coming true. Um, yeah. Where I, you know, when I was like 14, I got to see the original cast in New York with Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel. And then all those years later, was like singing with them on NBC to celebrate the 50th anniversary. So um, yeah, healing is real. Freedom is real. God is real. And I'm just like really, really, really completely like, oh, I just get emotional. I'm talking about it because um, it was like a relentless um, chasing down of like my heart and who am I, you know, there's a song, where is it? It says like, who are we that God is considerate of us? And it's just like amazing. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I've just, I've seen, seen so much healing and I've seen so much life, um, in this, in this new chapter. So just very grateful for, for the journey and um, saving grace, amazing grace, as we know the song. <laughs> I love that. So what does self-care mean to you now? Yeah. Both, oh man. Well, both from a personal level, but also from a faith perspective, what, what does self-care mean to you now? How do you care for yourself? <sighs> Great question. And one that I think is like ever evolving, depending on the season, you know, when I'm in a show, self-care looks so different than when I'm not, when I'm in a show, I'm sleeping 10 hours a night. I am steaming with my Vicks or my pure mist, uh, for, uh, you know, before and after the show, I'm not going to loud restaurants. I'm conservative with how much I talk, uh, you know, all of that. And, um, so there's just a different set of like responsibilities kind of when you're, when you're in that and you're, you need to get on stage eight times a week. Um, but I think whether or not, like whether I'm in a show or on set or not, the regular rhythms of prayer meeting with God, um, and the regular rhythms of gathering with other people who are like pointing you that way. Um, community group each week is so helpful to gather, to be like, here are my burdens. Can you pray? Oh, here's your burdens. I will pray for you. Regular rhythms of like serving, which I know it's like, okay, self-care, how do you care for yourself? But I'm, there have been some times, especially during this pandemic where I have been so caught up in my own stuff and my own burdens or my own worries. And I, there's this organization here called city relief. And every time I go and serve with them, I'm like, you know, of course I'm going to volunteer and like, quote unquote, bless others. But like, really I am being blessed by this experience because I think that we're designed to like, when we're generous, it's actually healing to our souls. So a form of self-care is like, okay, let me, yes, I need to be aware of what's happening in my emotionality, in my spiritual life, but also I'm not just created to be concerned about myself. So I feel like that is something that I've been learning is like when you're living in service of others, <clears throat> it can be healing for you. Um, 
regular counseling. We love counseling. Amen, sister. <laughs> Amen. Yes. I second this wholeheartedly. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when did you start your counseling journey? How long have you been on that road? You know, I started counseling when I was in Los Angeles. I did that. I was in counseling for about two years, two and a half years, 2013, I started. And then, um, and then I started back up probably 2009. It's been like two years. So it was like two and a half. And then the past two years and, um, just been really blessed with some very wise counsel and, um, definitely recommend getting that help and, having a safe space where you can just be real and be honest and, um, carry your burdens to someone who like their only function is to carry it for you, like with you, you know, where it's like not this bilateral thing. Like it's different than a friendship where you're kind of back and forth. It's like so nice to, to have a space where they're just honing in on your stuff and growing. So Yes. Amen to counseling. We love it. How did you, how did you go about finding a counselor that you felt safe with? Great question. Um, there's a counselor. His name is Dr. Darcy Green. Uh, he is in California and I, it was a recommendation through a couple people. Um, one of them being Alice. Um, and he just, there were I mean, from her and then also I think other people who had met with him who were like, he is the real deal. Like so talented. So amazing. he was so amazing that I would literally drive an hour and a half every single week, one way down to Orange County to go see him because he was that good. And then when I moved to New York, there is a, something called Redeemer Counseling, which is through Redeemer Church. Um, but it's a, it's a organization of counselors. And so, um, and I had heard so much again, just from friends of like, wow, this would really change my life. Um, so yeah, Andrew and I both have an individual counselor and we also have a separate marital counselor. So we are all about that counseling life. <laughs> I love that so much. I would love to chat about your journey of meeting your husband because it is so beautiful. And then I want to talk about the Bay series because it is quite possibly the best thing on the internet. Oh my gosh. Your, your beloved, how did you meet Andrew? And also how did you call him into your life? I mean, you and I, like I said, at the beginning have been, have walked through so many seasons of our lives together and just as support both next to each other, you know, adjacent to each other in LA and also from afar as we both moved, but you know, finding going through the journey of finding your husband, I know was, was quite a journey. And I'd love for you to share that. Absolutely. You know, that song, God bless the broken road. Let me say to you, literally, that's the story. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And scene. scene. Yeah. You know, we definitely saw each other through many just stories with men, guys, you know, MLA. Dating, relationships, all the things, all the things, all the things. So, you know, I, I think it was like 2015 or 2014. And I made, um, I'd come to faith, you know, it was like walking in this new walk. I decided, you know what? I am waiting to have sex till marriage. I'm going to date differently than I did in the past. I'm going to, you know, just in learning like my identity in, in Jesus and like learning how I really, it was important to me to, to, to be with someone who was like walking that out as well. And I made a husband list with my friend, uh, 
Molly McCurdy, she also made one. And I listed just all these things of attributes, mostly like, you know, like uh, character attributes, not like large muscles, but hey, that doesn't hurt either. Um, but we made these husband lists and and um, prayed a lot. I have a friend, Catherine, her and I would, whenever we'd be in the car together, we'd be like, let's just pray for our husbands. Okay. And we would talk to the Lord. We would say, God, like, we just want, one of the prayers that we prayed was like, will you highlight me to him? I don't want, I'm sorry, but I don't want to have to go chase somebody down. That's just not what I want. I am done with that in my life. God, will you highlight me to someone like a highlighter, you know? And I love that prayer. And I'm really grateful that it was answered with a big old yes. Um, and yeah, so the, I will say this before I met Andrew, I really truly had gotten to a point in my life where I was like, God, this walk with you is so good. Like this adventure and like your care of me is so good that like, if a guy's going to come in, like he's got to be amazing. And I was kind of at a place of contentment with my life. And I think that was maybe part of the permission of this chapter to move forward. Maybe, I mean, I don't, I I didn't do it on purpose. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to be like content. And like, then my dreams will come. It was just this journey that I had been through heartbreak. I had been through like, Oh, I don't want that. Or, you know, like I just had been through so much. I was like, you know, you're going to write this. Like you're the author of time and space and heaven and earth. Like I am not forgotten to you. Like you're on it and I'm going to just trust you. And like, I'm, I'm good with my life. And, um, and yeah, so I was trying to find a church in LA or sorry, in New York, because I had moved back here to, to come to Broadway. And I had heard of this, this church from some people in LA. I walked in, he's standing there greeting like you do handsome little volunteer moment. We exchanged names. He's like, hi, I'm Andrew. I'm like, hi, Amanda. For three weeks, we just say hi at the door. Me, mind you, I just come from a matinee. And for those of you who don't know, stage makeup is like no joke because you need to be able to like, you know, you need to have enough blush on that the people in Rosy know you have some rosy cheeks or whatever. Like it's just stage makeup is a lot. And I had barely stripped it off because I was like, I just need to get to church after the show. I had glitter all over my chest. It was like so <laughs> ridiculous. And he's like, who is this girl? You know? Um, so we met three times and then I pieced out from live in-person church for five months. I was doing it online instead because we had five show weekends, five shows in 60 hours. A normal Broadway schedule is eight shows in, in six days. But then when you have five show weekends, a lot of those shows are the weekend. So it's just really, really intense. So I disappeared for five months from that physical church. But then I came back when our schedule changed and he was like, Oh, she's back, which I didn't know that he thought I was cute. I just thought, oh, he's like nice and gave me his name. So he is like, she's back. I want to like get to know her. And then I want to ask her out. So for six weeks, we just increasingly became these like church pals who would see each other like, oh, how are you doing? And then he got to know where I worked and he, I got to know where he worked. And um, he's actually in finance. So it's really funny. He, he didn't know what the difference between a play and a musical was when we first met. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. Um, it was just, it's so cool. We just do very different things, but, um, yeah, so we are chatting, chatting, chatting. And he's like, how do I get on her radar? But like, not 
I feel like I have one shot. He's like talking to his sister. He's talking to his mom. Finally, he's on his way home from a business dinner from the Lower East Side. He's wearing a suit. The cab is like going north. The cab was supposed to turn on 55th, but it did not. By Providence, it turns left on 51st, which is my stage door. At the same exact time that people were lining up to greet us after the show, he's like, stop the cab. Hops out of the cab in that literal exact moment the stage door opens and I walk through it and he's like, Oh my gosh, this was a huge mistake. Am I workplace stalking her? She's like going to think I'm like stalking her at her workplace. What do I do? But he went to the back of the line anyway. He's like, uh, okay, I'm here. Like I'll go to the back of the line. And I'm halfway down the line and I see him and I'm like, Andrew. And it was that night that I was like, Oh, he likes <gasps> this is what a guy does when he likes you and you know he was very chivalrous I was like what are you doing here oh he was in the neighborhood okay and um the very next day I got a message from him um saying you know Amanda I know you've talked a lot about wanting to be really excellent at work I so admire your desire for excellence that is amazing but you know even on the days when you're not perfect even on the days when you are flat or sharp I think that what God smiles down on the most is those moments at the stage door where you're really seeing people, because isn't that one of the greatest desires that God longs to fulfill in us is the desire to be seen and known and not just a face in the crowd. And I was like, who is this? Mm. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow. Like not only was he listening to me as I would talk about work and life and whatever, but he also just brought this wisdom that was so true and so encouraging to my heart. And, um, yeah, our date, our first date was a week later and, um, we were engaged July, 2019, married April, 2020. And, um, and I really, I really, uh, he pursued me with no, um, cloudiness. He was very clear. And I think that clarity was very kind. I never wondered where I stood with him. I never wondered Oh, it was like, he also casually dating someone else. No, it was like, I'm pursuing you. I respect you. I am into you. Would you like to go on another date? Would you like to do like, he really steered it. He led it with a lot of maturity. That was just an answer to prayer. So, um, so I'm, I am, uh, incredibly grateful for that story. And, uh, and who knows what's going to happen at the stage door. I love that. So I would like to, for you to talk about the Bay series, because I feel like your Bay series was definitely inadvertently leading up to him with a comedic flair on the internet. Marin, sometimes you need to take your loneliness and sadness and turn it into comedy for others. Okay. Amen. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we need to just take our truth and turn it into a weekly one minute series where we pretend to have a boyfriend that's clearly not there. <laughs> Basically, it is, it is hilarious for those listening. I mean, you need to search the Bay series, B-A-E series by Amanda Jane Cooper on the Instagram. It is hilarious. Oh my gosh. You're so sweet. If you go to my Instagram, you can, I have the hashtag under my, on my bio. So it's easy to get to, but I just, it started as like a dumb, like, I just had this idea. I was like, what if, and I just turned on the camera and I did it. I was kind of scared to post it, but I was also like, "Ah, whatever. If people laugh, I think it's funny. So like, hopefully other people will too. And definitely, I mean, I shot this thing every Monday for four years. 
And who, I didn't start out planning to do that, but I was like getting like better at it and kind of getting my footing with like editing and how to just whatever jokes I was bringing to it. And it just, I think praise the Lord. It brought people joy on a Monday. They were like, Mondays are usually so hard, but I look forward to this every week. And it was honestly like, just, it wasn't ever something I did for as an artist. It was like, it wasn't a job that I had, but it was something that I was creating out of my own tickledness and out of my own goofiness and like joy and whatever. And I also got to invite on a lot of guests, like people in my cast and just different friends, even like my grandparents, and <laughs> just like silliness like that. So um, I hope it'll bring you joy. If you need to just binge watch something, um, check it out. You know, he hashtag, he exists. He deaf exists. He, it is hilarious. Highly recommend 10 out of 10. So I'm curious, what is next for you? Both Amanda Jane Cooper, the human, and also Amanda Jane Cooper, the brand. What is, what is the next chapter? Yes. What do you, you know, what are you maybe planning for? And then what are you maybe open to? Great questions. And also the timing of this interview, I feel like is so fascinating because it truly is a new chapter. I was like a married person planning a wedding, which is very, you know, that's not usually the way it is. Usually like, plan the wedding, get married, then move on with your life. And it's been like pandemic and I'm married, but we're also planning a wedding. So now that that chapter has happened, um, it, it truly does feel like a brand new season. Um, I'm so excited. I'm doing a couple things this month. Next week, um, I have a private concert here in New York. Um, on the 24th, I'm going to be at Green Room 42 with Isaac Sutton, who I performed with in Israel. So it's this full circle moment. And I'm so excited. We're doing like the classics of Broadway. That'll be so fun. And um, And yeah, I have a couple interviews coming up. And then I've got a couple projects that I have up my sleeve. I just want to say this. I will be releasing some music. So stay tuned. Um, that's going to be happening, happening in the next couple weeks. So you can find me on Spotify, Apple music, wherever music is. I actually already have some, some Christmas tunes up there, but I'm releasing another one in the next couple weeks. Uh, I have a private studio of students that I teach and coach every week, which is so life-giving and, um, yeah, auditions are picking up, coming back. And just as my, you know, as Amanda, as, as her, I guess, shall you say brand, I'm like, how can I bring, I'm, I'm dreaming about right now, how I can bring value to people, um, to understand their worth and value as I am learning, um, about life, about God, about this journey. I'm learning so much. And so I'm like, you know, dreaming about what that can look like, um, and very inspired by you, uh, entrepreneur boss, um, just chasing your dreams and bringing value um, to different spaces. So that's something I'm dreaming about. Well, so follow me at Amanda Jane Coop, and I will take you on the journey. Sign up for my email, all that stuff. You know, just keep track of me, and you'll see the adventures that await. These are such exciting things for me. <laughs> I'm very selfishly excited for all of this because I get to champion you as 
someone who is so impressive in the entertainment industry, but also as a dear friend and as someone who has stood by my side and just been such a wonderful light and support for so many years and so many seasons and so many hair colors <laughs> and hair so colors. many, oh, and so many haircuts and just so many style evolutions. And I am just so grateful for you and for your friendship and just for the goodness that you bring to the world. You are a very, very special human to me, but also to, to the world. Thank you, Marin. Your words mean so much. And I just want to honor you too, for being so intentional with me throughout all of these years. Like, listen, I'm not a style guru. I don't really, I have other gifts, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I need a little help and you have helped me so much to feel beautiful. And in that feeling beautiful and feeling confident, you know, that just helps you like show up better wherever you go. So Thank you for being part of that journey and just for your generosity. Like, I love that about what you've done with your company and how you um, just, yeah, just what you do, even with qualified and different organizations and that you are intentional to be other-minded and you've just been so generous with me on the journey as well. And, um, and so kudos and big love. And thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Really quickly, where can we find you? Uh, as my friend Annie F. Downs likes to say, I am embarrassingly easy to find. Uh, all you have to do is go to amandajanecooper.com. My Instagram is amandajanecoop. Uh, and you can sign up for my email newsletter on my website and um, search my name on Facebook. You can find the little actor page there. Uh, and also on the Twitter, which I'm not really on these days, if I'm going to be honest with you. But you can you can find me and follow me on there as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, you are incredible. Me. And <laughs> I cannot wait for everyone to listen to this episode and be so inspired by the wonderful human that you are and your beautiful story. Oh, thank you so much, Marin. Thank you for having me. And you thanks to Joey. Yes, our producer, Joey Q, who just messaged me and said, I totally watched her in Los Angeles on the stage. So Yes. Oh, did he? Oh my gosh. Yes. I never did. You know what? I never did Wicked out there, but I did have my own show at Rockwell table and stage. I know sometimes with the blonde wig, we kind of, we can all kind of look the same. Although I hope I'd, to perform it there one day though. Although I did see you in San Diego, I believe. Costa Mesa. Yes. 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 I was yes. just there last weekend and we drove by the, ah. the venue and my sister goes, wait, didn't we see Amanda on stage there? And uh, Katie, who came with me, she's actually getting married in December. So Gosh. it was all a full circle moment. And now we're interviewing you for the show. Hey, let's go. Yes. I thank you for it. supporting me by coming. And, you know, I have been changed for good by you, Marin. Takes one to no one. I feel the same way. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> love you so much. Thank you guys. Well, folks, that was wicked. A special thank you to Amanda for coming on the show. Thank you for bringing light to your personal story and your struggles with body image. If you or someone you know is struggling with eating disorders, we encourage you to contact the Eating Disorders Helpline at 888-375-7767. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and our producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as many times as you'd like. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and the content that you love. Lastly, if you'd like to connect with me offline, you can find me at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a beautiful day and we will see you next week. You probably think I'm crazy I just told you I'm my baby No, I ain't waiting on the right 
Na 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 